بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده واستعينه واستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شوي أنفسنا من سيتعملنا مهدي لفلا مضل الله وما يضل فلا هادي لا شر ولا إله إلا الله واتلا شريك الله وأشر محمد عبده الرسول يا أيها الذين آمنوا واتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتون إلا وأنتم مسلمون وأتسموا بهبل الله الجميع ولا تفرقوا يا أيها الإنسان تقربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحد وخلق منها زوجها وبثا رجالا كثيرا والنساء وتقلى تساءلون به الأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقلى وكلوا كولا سديدا يصلح لكم أمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يتئ الله ورسوله فكاد فاز فوزا عظيما These words are recited to us Alhamdulillah in almost every Jummah khutbah and other speeches that we hear throughout the month throughout the year for 1400 years I wonder if we reflect, really reflect on the meaning of what's called the khutbah al-hajjah. Because this really sets the tone for anything that comes after it. Some very powerful words. All of what we recite just now was from what? The Qur'an. The Qur'an, the recitation of the speech of Almighty Allah. In Alhamdulillah. How much do we appreciate that we still have our Quran exactly as it came in Revelation 1400 years ago? And how much do we appreciate we even have people to help us pronounce it correctly? And even better, to preserve the teachings of the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that He taught us what does it mean. So we have it. We can hear it. And we can know what it meant. But there's more. We can actually act on it. We can actually be the kind of people who heard it in the first place. With just a little bit of effort. First is to recognize That it really is from Allah. That's first. Because when you do that, then everything else becomes a whole lot easier for you. Second, is to sit with the people of knowledge who will recite it for you and let you hear it and teach you how to pronounce it and then teach you the meanings and hopefully, the best part, to teach you how to implement the teachings of the Qur'an in your life. O you who believe, have taqwa for Allah, as it's His right on you to have this taqwa for Him, and don't die except in a state of submission, surrender and obedience, in sincerity and peace to Him, and do not separate and divide up into groups. And we just blow it off. When I first came into Islam, I met a gentleman who also had come to Islam. First thing he walked over to me, 
السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام he said what madhab do you follow I said brother we just said salam to each other can't we like you know start with something else we go to that he said no you have to choose one madhab there's four madhabs you have to choose one otherwise you're not a Muslim just like that whoa I wouldn't get into it with him he kept saying what kind of Muslim are you Now since then a lot of people have asked me that. I was coming back from Mexico. When we came back to customs. By the way, I, get, I, I have a distinguished thing about me that allows me to be selected. It's, it's random, but I always get it. It's, it's amazing to get selected for an interview. And I got my regular interview with the folks. And one of the first things they said, what kind of Muslim are you? I said, what do you mean? He said, what, what kind of Muslim are you? I said, fat and old. <laughs> He said, no, no, you know what I mean. What kind of Muslim are you? I said, what is this? This guy doesn't even know, man. And he's asking me. I can tell him anything. I'm looking at this guy. What kind of Muslim am I? <laughs> He opened a book. It's a government book. There's some group called the Sunni Muslims. The Five Percenters. And there are others. Nation of Islam. So anyhow... And they're asking me now, are you Sufi? Are you Shiite? Are you Sunni? Are you Wahhabi? Are you Ahmadian? Or, you know, and I, in the back of my mind, I'm chuckling, you know. <laughs> I said, nope, 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 nope. He said, well, what kind of Muslim are you? I said, Christian Muslim. <laughs> He said, what? Because there is Hebrewish Muslim in their book. Hebrewish Muslim. You don't want to know what they believe. You don't trust me. You don't want to, don't, if you see, just don't, don't go there. Hebrewish Muslim. I said Christian Muslim. He said, what's that? I said, I was a Christian. I became a Muslim. He said, oh, okay, you can go. <laughs> what is this? Is this what we came down to? That I can put a label on you, you can put a label on me, and we can decide ourselves who's on the correct minhaj, and who is going to go to Jannah, and who's not going to go to Jannah, and who I'll sit with, and who I won't sit with, and who I'll go to their masjid, or I won't go to their masjid. Amazing. Sick. And then to make takfir, a'udh billah, on a person who believes in Allah, Believes la ilaha illallah, Muhammad al-Rasulullah, recites the Quran, and you're going to say this guy's going to go to hell. Allah. If that person does, I ask you what chance do we have? Huh? If he does, what chance do we have? Sahih Muslim, there's a hadith. The meaning of it more or less says that whoever says so-and-so's, From the fire, meaning that they're going to go to hell. Then for sure one of them is going. This is hadith of the messenger of Allah who came with the Quran. And he's telling you, if you make takfir on somebody, to the extent you're saying they're going to hell, for sure one of you is. But this also includes the possibility that both of you can still go. Just because he goes doesn't save you, does it?
And that's only on making that fear on one person. How about when you label a whole group or a whole masjid or a whole country and say everybody from them is in the fire. Since I've been Muslim, I've sat with everybody I could find who talks about Allah, the Quran, and Muhammad. Some of them I found to be quite away from anything that I want to be a part of, but at least I sat long enough to hear what they had to say and try to understand the reasoning behind it. In the very beginning, brothers told me, why you sit with these guys? These guys, man, ooh, don't, mm, you know where they're from? Such and such a country. You know what they believe? Blah, blah, blah. So I go ask them and I sit with them. I ask them, do you believe this? I said, not like that, like this or that. Oh, okay. Well, now see, he didn't know that. What will happen? What will happen if we continue to isolate ourselves from each other? What will happen eventually? Can you tell me? Just continue to isolate, isolate, isolate. And you will, by yourself, destroy the ummah. And hold fast, all of you, to the rope of Allah. Jemia, what does that mean? All of you, all of you hold on to the deen of Allah. Hold on to it. Don't kick people off of it. You see somebody going, you hold and maybe try to help them, but you don't do what? It's, he's... He's Shafi, he's Hanbali, he's, he's Hanafi, he's, you know, he's Sufi, he's, Shia, he's, don't do it. Don't do it. If you studied what each of these groups is upon, you will find that at the bottom of each and every single group, they started with La ilaha illallah. And you will also find another common denominator where they messed up, and I mean every one of them, is when they put a label on themselves. This is not endorsing any group. It's endorsing the ummah. It's allowing people in each and every group to hear about the mainstream Islam, which doesn't need any group except what? Don't die except that you're a Muslim. So when somebody asks you what kind of Muslim are you, you just say yes. Get it? What kind of Muslim are you? Yes. Yes. Muslim. I don't need those groups. I sat in each group. Wahhabi, Salafi, Shiite, Sufi, many flavors of Sufi, more than Baskin Robbins, by the way. You got everything you want. Everything from flying carpets to magic to whatever. But I still am not going to say take fear on anybody. I won't do that. Why? Because of this hadith. All I want to say is, it looks like the way that some of these people are going ain't the right way. That I'm going to tell you right away. But I will say this, 
every single Muslim always has the chance to do what? To be guided by Allah. They're more in a position. A person who already believes La ilaha illallah, they don't believe Son of God. They don't believe in a cross. They don't think Muhammad is God or some relative of God, A'udhu Billah. And they accept the Quran. Certainly that's got to be closer than to some of the people that we keep saying, let's make da'wah to this one and make da'wah to... What about our own families? Our own friends that are Muslim, at least by name, let us consider them as minimum. At minimum, at least consider them as good candidates to be real Muslim. And by the way, along the way, let us consider ourselves as a candidate because just maybe, I know, I know this may hurt, maybe if we looked in the mirror, we might find out that we're not perfect. There may be some things about Yusuf Estes that needs to be worked on. It could be. In fact, this is what I really should be spending my time about instead of going about worrying about other people's business. Brother comes up to me and says, Salam alaikum. And a shaitan comes to me and says, Don't give him back his, his salam yet. He may not be on the right minhaj, brother. He says, Salam alaikum. Ask him, Upon which minhaj are you? Some of you have been taught that you cannot give salams to somebody unless he's on the minhaj of Rasul. I will say to you what all of the students of knowledge have said for 1400 years. Where is your proof? The only thing you've got is a twisted understanding from a hadith which involves Aisha radiallahu anha. So when you take something and a lot of people don't even know where it came from. They just accept it. Sheikh said so and so. Sheikh who? Because I really, as much as I do love and respect every single Muslim and pray for all of them, even those who hurt me, even those who attack the work that we're trying to do, I still make dua for them. You know why? Because I do have a proof for that. A strong proof. When I look to the examples of the companions, the Ashab of the Rasul, Wasallam. They had differences amongst themselves. They, what do you think? They just sat around like angels going, They didn't do that. But when they found themselves to begin to get excited, you know, start to get angry, they remembered the hadith of Rasul wasallam, which says, when somebody said, give me some nasiha, some advice, he said, don't get angry. And then he told them things you can do to keep from getting angry. Because shaitan courses through your veins like your blood when you get angry. You feel the heat. You ever heard somebody say, I got hot. Man, man I'm hot. Man, don't touch me. I'm hot. Meaning what? Shaitan is in you. So yeah, that's they did make dicker when they got angry. Just like they made dicker when they were happy. They made wudu 
They would sit down if they were standing. These are the things that Rasulullah Sallallahu taught them. But don't think that meant that the, all the Sahabi were running around holding hands, ring around the posy, uh, pocket full of roses. No, no, that's not the way it was. They were real just like you're real. But they dealt with their problems between each other in a very beautiful way. And I want you to think about a hadith that you probably, if you don't know the hadith, you know the quote from it at least. You know the quote from it about loving your brother for the sake of Allah. You've heard this expression, yes? Love your brother for the sake of Allah. In Christianity, I'm going to shift just for a minute to give you a comparison. I want you to see how much more focused how much more focused Islam is when you inspect it with a microscope. Christianity has something in the book, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 29, when they had been asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said to them, according to what they have left of their translations of mistranslations, etc., to know, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And you have to love or worship Him with all your might and all your strength and all your heart. And I give you a commandment like unto it to love your brother as yourself. Huh? Go back and look in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. I think the third book. You'll find it. Chapter 6 is where you'll find this one. This is a quote that's being misquoted. Again, saying to know, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. That you have to love him with or worship him with all your mind and all your heart and all your strength. And you have to love your brother as yourself. This is worth talking about. This is a misquote from there. But look at Islam when Allah is telling you in the Quran, this is much more. And the hadith of Rasul sallallahu when he said what means in English, that whoever has these three has tasted the sweetness of the deen. And one of the three was what? That he loves someone for the sake of Allah. And the hadith of Rasul sallallahu which says about the ones who will be in the dhil, in the shade, on the day when there's no shade except Allah's shade. And this is someone who has met someone and parted with something, with that person, only for the sake of Allah. Do you know what that means? Does that mean the brother that you think is so sweet and kind and nice? The one who loaned you 50 bucks when you needed it? The one who let you use his car anytime? Is this the brother who's always at the masjid that's cleaning up, taking care of things, giving you salams? Is it the imam who spends so much time helping your kids learn the Quran? Is that who it's talking about? No! It's talking about the brother that you couldn't stand any other way except, except for this statement that you love your brother for the sake of Allah. And you meet with him and part with him for the sake of Allah and for no other reason. And this way you can say, I truly love all the Muslims for the sake of Allah. 
still hadn't made my point, one more time. One more time, we'll end the first part of the khutbah. The hadith, it's a beautiful hadith, teaches us a lot. We learn from this one a very important aspect of being a real believer. Prophet Sallallahu is sitting with the jama'ah and he says the next one who comes to the door, he's Ahl Jannah, people of the paradise. Somebody walked in. They said, who's this? I don't even know this guy. Again, on another occasion, he said the next one who comes to this door, he's Ahl Jannah, person of paradise. Same guy walked in. They went, who is this? One Sahabi, a companion of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, went to him and he said, "Oh, by the way, I'm having some problem at home with my dad and stuff. And is there any problem if I could like stay at your place? Come on. And the tradition is to stay in somebody's house three days and nights, and nobody asks you anything. You just hang out. That's the old Arab tradition, and that's what he was doing. And he observed him day and night. And on the third day, he said, "I have to come clean with you. I got to tell you how it really is." I'm not having any problem at home. I just wanted to come and camp out with you and see what it is you do. And he related to him what he had heard from the Prophet ﷺ, that the next one who comes through this door is from the people of paradise. He said, we just want to know what you do. What What is it you do that we don't do? And he was surprised. He said, I'm not as good as you guys. I'm just, I'm nobody, you know. He said, there isn't anything that I do extra. Nothing. Don't have anything special. I can't think of anything. Except, I love this part. Except that before I go to bed at night, I forgive everybody. What did he say? Before I fall asleep at night, I forgive everybody. Have we been doing that? Unless and until we can understand these very simple teachings, we will miss a lot of the sweetness of the deen right here in this life. And we could well miss a great opportunity in the next life. May Allah guide us. May Allah open our hearts to this message and bring us closer together each other for the sake of Allah. Amin. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah. Fa'ina istaqal hadithi kitab Allah wa khayra hadiyah hadiyah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa shurur al-mu'i mutatatuha wa kulli mutatatun bid'ah wa kulli bid'atun dalala wa kulli dalalatun finnar. I only began the beginning of the things that we hear recited to us every Jummah. Imagine if we had the time to go further and learn, for instance, even one small word that we hear in Surah An-Nisa. The translation, it's telling, Oh human beings, Ya Yuannas, Atakarabakum, Fear your Lord. In this case it says your Lord, Rabb. Who created you guys, from a single soul. Nafsin wahid. And from him brought forth his mate. 
زوج and from them كثير جدا many 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 people men and women all of us coming from where one person one person this is Quran telling us and then if we want to jump from chapter number 4 I go by the numbers too you know Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 put a 9 after that chapter 49 that's Surah Al-Hujurat and look at there and see what you find out Allah tells you He created all of you from a single and from His mate and made you different from each other so that you would do what? As tribes and nations, yet different from each other, so that you will do what? Ask each other, what man hides are you on? What's your tribe, brother? Or, did Allah say, so that you could recognize each other? And that's what he said. I'm going to ask you, can you truly recognize a Muslim when you see it? You see a Muslim, can you recognize him or her? Because it's not from being in Pakistan or being born in India or Saudi Arabia or anywhere in the Khalij or the Gulf or Masr in Egypt or Texas where I'm from. Being a Muslim starts inside by recognizing la ilaha illallah and putting Allah and His Messenger first and above all things. And immediately after that, giving the respect, honor, and dignity to the creation of Allah. Whether they're Muslim or not, we have the responsibility as Muslims to show proper respect according to the priority. And you don't know what I'm talking about? Think. Because somebody asked about this priority. What is the priority of respect? To whom do I give the haq? Who has the most haq? The most rights on me? You know who it is. Allah. And then his messenger. He said, after Allah and his messenger, who has the most rights on me? Said your mother. And then your mother. And then your mother. And then your father. Didn't that show us the precedent immediately for what is called priorities? And all the way down to different relatives, neighbors, Muslims, non-Muslims, enemies, animals, plants, anything created by Allah has rights on you. And you must give it its proper rights. When you slaughter an animal, does the animal have rights? Yes or no? He has rights? And you don't show him the knife? You make sure it's sharp? And he's laying in the proper position? And one cut? Yes or no? So if you understand, why are we not applying this in our daily life with each other? All of us are human. Yes. But when we say it, we're trying to cover up the fact that we're acting subhuman. We're trying to cover up actions which are not acceptable in a real human society.
It's a mistake. It is a mistake to use these two eyes to look at somebody and decide, I like this person or this person or this person because their skin is whiter than this person or this person or that person. Or because their skin is darker. If I do that, I've given up a very precious part of my Islam. I've made a distinction based on asabiyah, which is not acceptable. What makes somebody beloved to Allah? What is it that Allah loves in every human being or any human being who will follow the proper belief and do the right actions? What is it? What? And Rasulullah told us. There is a morsel of flesh inside the human body that if it's good, then the whole of the matter is good. But if it's bad, then the whole of the matter is rotten. And that morsel of flesh is the kolb, the heart. What color is your heart? It's red, isn't it? What color is your heart? Same color, isn't it? Yours? Yours? Mine? When I used to slaughter for Ramadan, we did as many as 150 animals in a day's time. And while I would be doing this, I'd be pretty busy. But I'd get ahead of those guys because they're hanging them up and skinning them and doing their work. One day I was looking and watching these animals. They were coming in. They were brown, white, black, spotted, different colors, different sizes, you know. Different length of hair. You could tell them all apart. But after they removed the skin and they were hanging on those rods, hanging on that cable, going off into another room, you know what? You couldn't tell them apart. Did you understand that? They were hanging on the what? On the what? Cable. How do you say cable in Arabic? Hold fast, all of you, to the cable of Allah. And don't separate. 